This week's episode of Studinter will be previewing the Derby d'Italia. We'll be reviewing the Chievo game, this week's Frog, Moji e Moratti, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on Sempre Inter. Attenzione, Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro 3-0. Andiamo il principe, entra in aria, e solo, e tiro, e gol, e gol, e gol, e gol, e gol! Con Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo! E lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti! La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter! L'Inter vince! E Dillo, campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! I più forti siamo noi! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, I'm your host, Matavalo Iruzzari, and we've got a packed show today, a uh, slightly reviewed lineup due to, uh, we'd like to mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to welcome the uh, founder of the Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Hall. Welcome back, long time. Hey guys, yes, always good to be back on here, and uh, especially in these circumstances as well. Nice to see the uh, Kievo game, you know. It was all good for us, and uh, we're getting to Christmas, and we're not moaning. So, yeah, good to be back. <laughs> it's first time in a decade. Um, and also joining us from the Serpents of Madonina, the guy who runs their Twitter handle, Mr. Will Beckman. Welcome, Will. Happy Alberto Brignoli Day to you all. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, we're going to oh, discuss we will. The, we will. Uh, we will. We will we're going to. We're going to spend a bit of a time talking about the Kievo game because I've got a lot to say, and I figure you guys as well. But first things first, as they say, uh, we've got bigger, uh, much more bigger fish to fry away at uh, Castle Grayskull, as uh, <laughs> <laughs> as uh, our usual panelist Max Deluca likes to call the Allianz Stadium in Turin. So, uh, in order to help us analyze and preview this game, is someone who's going to be there. Uh, at uh, Interim at Castle Grayskull, so you can tell us if you met Skeletor. Uh, he's <laughs> he's uh, oh, he's a usual panelist on BT Sport. Uh, he writes about the Serie A in ESPN uh, for ESPN, European Football Show Pod, etc., etc. Welcome to Studio Inter, Mr. James Horncastle. Thank you very much. I thought um, by referring to it as Grayskull, you you meant to just sold the naming rights again. Uh, <laughs> so I maybe got a better deal, a more original deal than than everyone else having their stadium you know, named after the Allianz insurance premiums that everyone gets. But yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if, if I were George Lucas, I would definitely try to like buy the naming rights to name at least once that stadium to Death Star Arena because it's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the I mean it's pretty much the home of Darth Vader from an inter point of view <laughs> and the emperor. <laughs> right, uh let's get into it then. Um this uh this past we uh, this past weekend uh, Juventus beat uh won, won quite convincingly I thought against Napoli and this is a, a Juventus that time and time again each year under Allegri has been criticized, starts the season really slow and then gets the motor running and it looks like they really have the motor running. Um, if, we, if we compare the two coaches there, James, Allegri and Spalletti matchup, who do you think has got the better coach? <laughs> well, I think uh, Allegri uh, deserves huge uh, credit um, because yeah, he is someone who, like Alex Ferguson, if you like, um, rebuilds every year. And I think that's one of the reasons why Juventus in particular 
value him um, so highly. Um, you know, it's part of Juventus's business model that they sell uh, maybe one or two players, or at least a, a realistic that they they can't hold on to those players um, for as long as they would like, and they need someone um, who is as uh, calm, patient as Allegri when it comes to basically uh, reassembling a team, reconfiguring it. And, uh, and finding balance. And sometimes it does take a while. Um, you know, even, even last year, um, it wasn't really until mid-January um, that they figured it out uh, with that Lazio game where they, um, they first settled on the five-star formation, which really then was um, pushed them on to being uh, basically on for another treble for the second time in three years um, under Allegri. And uh, I think we've seen similar th- um, thing happened this year, really, um, where they're beginning to come good. They've had a few wobbles, um, but I think they've been pretty much on par with where they've been in other years. It's just that the rest of Serie A, um, either Napoli or, 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 or Inter, have, um, have, kept, have, have started the season at quite an incredible, unprecedented rate. Um, but it, it does now look like Juventus are finding a balance I think one of the, the great things about Allegri is you never really know what you're going to get as an opponent from them because um, they're so unpredictable, particularly at the moment. They change shape um, almost every game. Just when you think they've settled on something, they move and change according to the opponent. And it makes it very hard to second guess what they're going to do. And I, I think, you know, again, um, looking ahead to the, um, to the Derby d'Italia on Saturday, yeah, it's hard to, 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 to see Allegri going with the same game plan um, that he did against Napoli because, you know, what was so successful for them in Naples was they said basically, you know, you play out wide, you can have all the space you want out there, you know, rein in all the crosses because, you know, essentially your forwards are midgets and we will head out everything that, uh, that comes into the penalty area. Now, you know, as you guys well know, that will not work against Inter because Inter, you know, fantastic crosses of the ball, They've got one of the best headers of the ball in the uh, in the league, if not in Europe, in Icardi. So they'll have to adapt. And I think, you know, Allegri is very good at uh, drilling down on what the strengths and weaknesses of his opponents are. And that's what makes him such a great manager. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit, because this is something I've been thinking about when comparing uh, Allegri uh, throughout. Because, I mean, it's his fourth season there. He always gets criticised for starting the season uh, but, I mean, during the season, he, he, he really tweaks and, and then gets it running towards when it really matters, which is also very typical of Juventus, if you look at it historically. Um, mm. But I've been thinking about this a little bit. And, I mean, in terms of Allegri being a great tactician in, in how he sets up his teams and how he wants to play football, I personally don't hold him in, as a, as a, in the same high regard as, for example, a Sarri or a Conte or even Spalletti. But when it comes to match coaching, meaning to when going into a big game or going into uh, a, a big tie against uh, another team, I think he's the best match coach in the world in the sense that he's so good at identifying the exact weaknesses of his opposition and, 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 get, and getting his team to play to that effect. Um, to, to me, I think he's one of the best, if not the best match coach uh, in, in the world. Uh, do you agree with that? I think he reads games very well and I think he has got great instincts and he trusts his instincts and often he'll make a substitution that looks completely counterintuitive and it will change the game and the number of times um, 
particularly in his first season where he affected games from the bench, um, was just extraordinary. Um, the number of times substitutes came on and uh, managed to change the outcome um, was there were too many to count. And I think uh, he is someone who you know has very little time for journalists um, talking about um, you know what system he's going to play. Um, yeah, to him, yeah, formations are just numbers. Um, yeah, he is very much someone who's all about um, spacing, uh, positioning, and 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 seeing seeing little weaknesses, seeing little areas of space open up, and knowing how to exploit that, giving his his players the right instruction to be able to exploit that. And yeah, he just seems to have a very um, innate sort of natural feeling for a game, which I, I don't really think can be taught. Um, and yeah, I think in, in, in that respect, yeah, you look at some of the preeminent coaches in the league at the moment, and yeah, in terms of Gian Piero Gasperini and also Marco Giampaolo, they all worked under the same manager, um, Giovanni Gallione at uh, Pescara. Um, but the thing is, when you look, I think when you look at, um, they're all different. Gasparini seems to have a, a very clear idea of how he wants his teams to play. As Inter, Inter, Inter fans well know, he's renowned for playing one system and drilling that system um, like no other. Um, with Giampaolo, you could say he's got more uh, more in common with Sarri than he has with um, with, with Gallione, or certainly with his, his contemporaries at the moment, Gasparini and Allegri, in how he wants to play. Allegri is, is really hard to kind of pin down. He's very liquid. I think he's, he's someone who's... Um, Again, uh, just yeah, he, he looks. He doesn't look at um, the game as, as, as any. There's anything to be innovated in it. You know, he, 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 whenever you ask him about um, sort of you know, tactical revolutions that have, have happened, from yeah, he, he he will still stand by the idea that nothing's changed since Arrigo Sacchi was in charge. The dimensions of the pitch are still the same. There's still 22 players and all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and you know, he, he, I think that's one of the things that makes him very interesting. Um, because he kind of runs very counter to a lot of the the kind of analysis that, um, that is um, that is in vogue in, in in reporting on the game at least at the moment with you know more tactical blogs than ever before more sort of performance analyst kind of views data analytics and that sort of thing he's all about instincts and I, I think you know that it's it, that that's one of the reasons as you mentioned when it comes to reading a game and judging um, a moment and what's what's uh, needed at that particular time, he's, he's outstanding. Hmm. Richard, you want to ask him? Yeah, I do. I, I, it's interesting uh, what James was saying as well. I'm, I'm just interested, not just on the Allegri point, but also going on to Spalletti as well, because when, for me, um, we've seen Spalletti last season and then he's, you know, obviously he's come over to Inter this year. Um, we we talk a lot, obviously, about what he's got to work with. I've noticed quite a bit of a change in the way Spalletti's uh, approached the job in Milan. And I'm just interested to know from James. Um, I, I think that Inter, at some points this season, have, have shown some of that almost um, ruthless pragmatism that we've seen from Juventus before. Um, and obviously, I know, I know James spends a lot of time watching uh, the Roman sides. Um, so I'm just interested to know what... what what do you think that the transition, how has Spalletti changed from when he was at Roma to what he's doing at Inter right now? Um, and and, and how has he adapted as a coach? Well, I think the big change in Spalletti is um, there's like a, 
before and after, I suppose, which, which is Zenit St. Petersburg's experience in Russia, where um, you know a lot of people in Italy always point the finger at him and say, "Oh well, you know, you, you always finish second. Um, and you know, in Russia, I think he established a, a winning mentality. He began to understand what it uh, what it takes. Um, to um, dominate from start to finish and win a win a league championship, um, and you know you can joke all you want about the Russian Premier League, but it's still uh, quite a prestigious league. It's sort of in the top eight in Europe, um, and he established Zenit at the top of it. I think when he came back to Roma, um, the relentlessness with with which that Roma team um, was able to pick up points. I think uh, was often overlooked because of uh, everyone was instead focusing on the conflict between Spalletti and, and Francesco Totti. Um, yeah, last year was, for example, yeah, Roma's uh, best ever statistically, um, and uh, I believed when he came to Inter that you know while as, as you guys well know it's not an easy place to work there are there are problems that seem to emerge into that don't emerge uh, at other clubs and, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's putting it diplomatic yeah. that was um, the most diplomatic answer yeah, yeah pretty much <laughs> and, uh, and, he's, and and the team is 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 one that you can't really trust either um, it seems to have screwed over a number of managers um, uh, in, in recent memory. And yet he's able to get everyone on the same page. I think he's a great communicator. I think that's one of, one of the things where he's made a real stride forward since his, since his early days in Italy, where if, 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 you, um, if you listen to a Spalletti press conference, I don't know whether it's because he often looks down the camera and, like, uh, <laughs> and, and points at you, but he, he really captures your, your attention and captures your imagination. I think one of the things that didn't so much held him back at Roma, but I think um, he's really played into this at Inter, is getting the crowd going and the really appealing to, to the fans um, to create an atmosphere which can help the team. And, you know, at Rome, at Roma, there were, there were issues with that because the ultras, for example, were in conflict with the local authority when it came to the, mm. when it came to the plexiglass barriers being in the Cordoba. And uh, Inter, there's none of that. Um, and, you, you know, you see Inter have the highest average crowds, um, in, in Italy. I mean, that was the case even the last couple of years where, mm. um, e- even though results haven't, haven't been, um, been good. But now that they are, you're seeing, you know, an average of what, 50, 53,000 there. And Spalletti's really tapping into that. And I think that's helping the team. I mean, I was really struck, um, uh, just before kickoff the Kiebo game, the whole San Siro was bouncing. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say exactly that. That's something we yeah. haven't seen, um, in a while. So he's done, he's done that very well. And then I think what Spalletti's really good at is he makes uh, a team's best players better. Mm. Um, so, for example, and he, he does unusual things with players. He makes you look at them in complete different lights. So he, he did that with Totti first of all, with the false nine, where everyone just thought Totti was a ten or someone who played out on the left and would maybe get ten, twelve goals a season. All of a sudden, he's winning the European Golden Boot. He did it with Perotta. You know, Perotta was all, all, all of a sudden becomes a you know, sort of number ten who wins the ball high up the pitch and then starts becoming a, a prolific goal scorer. 
midfielder because he's closer to the goal. You know, we saw him do that with Nyingalan um, uh, last year. You know, he's been able to regenerate players. You know, you think of you think of Jeko, who was a complete flop in his first year at Roma. Yeah, you know, he becomes the capo cannonieri. You know, we've seen that in recent weeks with Inter. Um, in fact, throughout the season with Inter, where you, you, you thought, wow, you know, what really holds back Inter over the last five six years is the fullbacks. Fullbacks, yeah. Or, or even D'Ambrosio the last couple of couple of years, that's where they need to upgrade. And instead, they've been a real pleasant surprise. You don't see Santon in the last couple of games, but particularly against Chievo, suddenly looked like the Santon who was, you know, came through the ranks into in sort of 2009, 2010. Um, and then you look at Renocchia as well um, at the weekend. Who, you know, I looked, I looked at this fixture and. Kievo were always an awkward opponent for teams to face, as Inter found out on the first day of last season. Um, if you don't prepare, you get they find you out. And um, I was worried because I thought Inter were going into that game without Renocchia, uh, with, sorry, without Miranda, without um, Vecino, uh, without Gagliardini, and the depth that has been such a big question mark around Inter um, so far this season. Instead, those players come in. And they're, they're among the standout players in the team. And I, I think that just goes to show how well these players are prepared on the training ground um, that, you know, even if they haven't been playing all that much, they come in and they perform above expectation. And all of a sudden you look at that, that um, bench that Inter have got in a completely different way. You think, wow, if they keep playing to that level, then there's no reason why they can't sustain this form until May. And I think, again, that is down to the manager basically being able to find um, loose change down the back of down the back of the sofa and turn it into you know turn a five pound note into a fifty pound note all of a sudden and um, yeah there are not many managers can do that and um, yeah it, it, at the end of the day it goes back to that sensation that I think we all had at the end of the transfer window that one of the best deals done but certainly the best deal done by Inter was um, in in the transfer window was getting Spalletti. Um, shortly followed by signing Milan Skriniar, of course. Um, speaking on uh, on that note, uh, do you um, do you think Inter are overperforming? You just said that you think that they can, uh, you know, touch a little bit on going all the way to May. Do you see this? Uh, do you think that Inter are performing, or are they real deal? Is this uh, Inter that is da scudetto, as the Italians say? Well, I've looked at some of the underlying numbers. Um, yeah, expected goals against, expected goals for, and they're kind of right on par there. So they're getting, you know, what they put in to these games. Um, they're not underperforming or overperforming. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, um, they they rode their luck at times. Um, yeah, for example, against Roma, um, they go behind. Roma hit the woodwork three times, albeit from low percentage shots, if you like. Um, perhaps they should have had a penalty for that challenge. I think it was screening on on Pedotti. Um, you know, you then look at uh, certain other games where um, Handanovic um, has come up massive um, for them. Um, sort of the sort of early stages of that game against Crotone, early stages of that game against Cagliari as well. Um, but at the moment, you know, I mean, I kind of side with Spalletti in, in saying that, you know, people who say this side are a bit lucky or um, I, I, I'm starting to laugh at them because... Um, Inter are getting better, I think, with every game. Um, and certainly unlike, um, that first year on the, on the first full season on the Mancini, um, they don't feel as flaky then. Um, they don't, they don't feel like, um, they're just winging it. 
um, yeah, they're able to kind of dominate and control games. I was very impressed um, uh, against Kiev, for example, with um, with that again a, a different looking midfield, um, just giving a different kind of look to them. With um, Borja Valero playing as a deep line playmaker, um, Jean Mario in that position next to him, and then Brozovic um, behind the striker, they seem to be able to really kind of control control the game, manage possession. Um, be very quite neat and tidy on the ball in a way that you know sometimes they've looked a bit clunky, a bit uh, a bit wooden. So I think that I think with Inter getting getting better, and uh, obviously the mentality, um, you know, winning begets winning. Uh, I think the only the only time they've lost was was it against that what, German second division side in a friendly in, in <laughs> no, yeah, Nuremberg. They've, they've won. Uh. They've won. Uh, they, they, yeah, they've won practically every other game. Aside from the draws against Turin and Bologna, so that obviously is, has really enhanced the mentality. And then there's the crowd at San Siro, which I think, you know, I was again just to go back to Sunday's game. Sunday's game, yeah, even at four nil up, Inter kept playing. They kept yeah. wanting to score goals. And um, you know, we mentioned the kids, the guys who we we thought were lost causes and should have been kicked out of Inter a long time ago. There's also the new signings who came on, Dalbert and Cadamar. They come on and almost immediately, then they combine and, uh, you know, Dalbert pulls the ball across the edge of the box and Cadamo shoots and it just goes wide. And you think, wow, everything is just kind of clicking at the moment. Um, so I think unlike last year, when Roma uh, were beginning to impress on the Spalletti, they beat Napoli away from home, they beat Milan at the Olimpico, and they then went to play Juventus um, at the Allianz Stadium. Unlike on that occasion, um, Inter look, I think, in better form. All of their best players are kind of fit and healthy um, or should be back for that game. Um, the guys who come in and, 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 and stood in for the likes of Vecino, Gagliardini and, um, and Miranda have done a good job, which kind of helps helps inspire confidence. Um, but Roma, I remember when they went to the Iron Stadium, they were missing Salah for the first 60 minutes of that game. And they just weren't the same. They weren't able. Roma weren't able to be Roma, and and, and they they uh, they left it too late in that game. And I think Inter instead go into that uh, into into the Debbie Italian in a completely different mood um, at their best. Um, and I I hope I haven't jinxed them ahead of the what, final <laughs> final yeah, training session yeah, going into this game because at the moment that they're in, I would say in in a, in a in the perfect condition to give themselves as good a chance as they can possibly get against Juventus um, at the Allianz Stadium on Saturday. Will? Yeah, playing Gerson in the front three, I seem to remember, that didn't really work too well for Spalletti when they went no. to Turin last season, did they? Anyway, um, no, I'd, I would firstly like to underline what you said about Spalletti's communication. I was, I've, I'm... I, I sit down to watch his press conferences with the same excitement as I do to sit down when I watch the match. It, yeah. it's, a, it's a second game. <laughs> it's a second. It's a performance. It's come and listen to Spalletti for half an hour. It's incredible. Anyway. Um, and uh, I mean, he's the reason that this that the crowd has been um, the crowd has been so incredible in the last few weeks. You know, he comes up with these phrases, these images, like you know, like um, a couple of weeks ago he said. It's like San Siro feels like the stadium of the echoes at the time because you hear someone shout Forza Inter and then suddenly you hear the same cry over there in the corner and then on the left and then on the right and then in the bottom and then at the top. And he comes up with these... He never says what you think he's going to say. He always has something better. He's prepared them. He's got, he knows exactly what he wants to say, mm. which is why I think he was asked when he came back, 
by someone, did you go on a communication course while you're away? Because you, you've, you've been you've been acing every single press conference and interview since then. Um, yeah. But um, my, I had a question that I think you've kind of answered already, but I'll ask it anyway. It was about the January transfer window because I'm not I'm not particularly bothered about whether Inter can win the Scudetto because I'm not really I, I don't I'm not measuring our season against that. I'm still being the pessimist as I always am, I'm looking over my shoulder at Lazio and Roma um, and wondering about the top four. Um, so I was just wondering, do you think that this squad is... I mean, of course they can finish in the top four if they didn't do anything in January, but would you be confident enough if you were Spalletti to say to the club, let's just keep everything as it is and we'll go ahead and we'll get the top four? Because that's what he said on, on Saturday. He said the best signing we could make would be to keep everybody that we have which I think yeah. is probably as much of a, a, a tactic to pump up his player's self-esteem as, as much as it was an attempt to tell the truth. But, I mean, it could happen. I, I'm just a bit unsure because I still think this squad is thin. So you... Yeah, I mean, that was my kind of impression um, at the end of the transfer window because, I mean, we all saw that they they wanted to bring in another centre-back, um, you know, even though the kind of centre-backs that were... Um, put forward, I, I, I didn't really make you all that enthusiastic, um, Mustafi and, and Mangala. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, but I think the thing is, you look at who they signed in the summer, and um, yeah, obviously Skrinia, Vecino and, and Borja Valero have made a big impact. But there are still players who we've yet to see really um, give something to this team and contrib- contribute in a big way. And those are those are the other fullbacks, um, Dalbert, um, Cancelo, um, who you know could be an alternative to Candreva rather than a um, rather than a fullback. Definitely. Uh, and and Cadamot as well. Um, so. Yeah, those are they're interesting options there. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can bring forward, um, as Napoli might do with Inglese, um, bring forward the deal that they've done for uh, Bastoni, um, yeah, the, the, yeah. the kid at Atalanta who could be their their fourth centre back. Um, but um, I'm quite confident that they can keep this up um, because they're not in uh, cup competitions in Europe. Um, yeah, my my concern was would he be able to keep everybody happy at Inter because they've always had quite a baggy squad um, and uh, you know a number of players you, you kind of forget about a lot of the players like Santon for example I just I was like where where did where has Santon come from I just thought he'd never have another opportunity at Inter after being at Newcastle and and, and Sunderland and then all of a sudden he's yeah he's doing things that um, people expected of him six seven years ago. Um, and I think he's able to basically, uh, he's a very resourceful manager. Um, he, yeah, he's able to make, make players, um, into difference makers who, you know, you, you, you've kind of written off and, and that, that kind of makes me confident, um, that they can, that, that they can maintain this, um, um, this rate of return in terms of points. Um, but I think also the club are, club are probably able. They'll have some room for manoeuvre in, in, in January. Um, you know, we, maybe not to the same extent we saw last, summer, last January when they brought in Gagliardini. Um, but there's a willingness there. And, um, you know, I think um, he's done enough, let's say, in these first three or four months to persuade 
um, the people that matter at, at Inter. So, yeah, Steven Zhang, for example, that, um, you know, um, it, they, he deserves maybe a little bit of effort. Um, financial fair play restricted, uh, financial fair play permitting. Uh, he deserves a little bit of effort in the January transfer window to, to help this team do as well as it can. Um, <clears throat> focusing uh, more on uh, some, uh, on Saturday's game uh, against Juventus, um, I wanted to look back a little bit. That's we, we like to do that a lot on this show, kind of rewind things into the in, into how they used to be and look back at down walk down memory lane. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite Dar- Derby d'Italia memory? Well, um, the first one that I went to was in uh, was in 2002 and uh, at San Siro, and um, it was uh, a 2-2 draw. And it was uh, it was just incredible. Um, uh, Clarence Seedorf um, scored twice. Oh, that game, today. that game, yeah, yeah, that, that belter in the dying. Minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he scored two belters in that game. I, I think Seedorf, two of maybe his top five goals of his career were, were maybe scored in that one because they were just. I mean, it, it was like he, yeah, he had a tractor engine for a, a right foot. Um, the first one was pretty special, sort of cutting in from the left hand side and finding the far corner. The other one was just ridiculous. Um, it's one of those goals, one of, one of those um, shots which looks like it's going over and looks like it's going wide and then dips into, uh, into the, the, the sette, the seven, you know, sort of inside that sort of top corner. Um, that was great. Um, more recently, the one that really kind of, uh, it might come as a bit of a surprise, it might be a nice omen for you, was the, <laughs> Was the the Stramaccioni, the three one at the Juventus Stadium when Inter became the first first team to win there and end that um, forty nine match unbeaten run that Juventus had, and um, oh, I mean I was a complete Stramaccioni believer um, after that game. There were was I? Yeah, I was going to say you and me we all. And they were they were incredible. Um, I, I bought I bought all, I bought every stock imaginable in in Stelamachoni after that and his sort of you know tactical debrief. Um, so yeah, I mean those two games. I mean I, I'm reluctant to go with the obvious one of '98, um, but um, the two that the, the, the two that I was um, of, the, of, of the ones that I've been to those two 2002 and 2000 and was it. Yeah, 2012? No, 2013. Was, was it beginning of 2012? Still, I'm not sure, 2013. Oh, I can't remember. What, the 3-1? Uh, yeah. It was November 2012. Yeah. 2012, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, then you're, going to, you're, going, you're, going to, <laughs> you're going to be there uh, this weekend as well, uh, covering the game. Um, so, uh, can I ask you for a prediction then? Who do you think, how do you think the game will end? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it, it, if Juventus lock in in the manner that they have done against um, Barcelona and um, uh, and Napoli, uh, where they look like the Juventus of old, um, I think it will be hard. Um, uh, just just because I think Juventus, as, as Buffon was saying um, after the game on on Friday night. It, those games the Juventus they have such great experience in um, and yeah, they play them as though they're a knockout game in the Champions League um, and frankly Napoli and Inter haven't had experience of that for a long time <laughs> um, and uh, I think some of the new signings that you, some of the signings that Juventus brought in the summer 
are starting to have an impact. Um, I mean, De Chilio, um is is one, although I'm really intrigued to see that matchup on on that hand side between De, if it is Dicilio, um, Dicilio and uh, and Perisic, um, because that could be pretty tasty. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, and Douglas Costa. Um, Costa seems to play at uh, a different speed um, to everybody else um, at the moment, which is, is sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. Um, but yeah, Juventus, you looked at the first, their, their winning goal, you know, it really comes from him sort of just dancing past two or three players and then releasing, um, releasing Dybala, the run to take away the, the defenders um, and completely distract Koulibaly from Higuain. Yeah, those those players are um, are now making an impact, and it's kind of curious, really, because we know that into the last couple of years have built all their play sort of down the wings and getting crosses into the box for Icardi to finish, and now sort of Juventus are gradually, gradually sort of moving in the same direction, really. You know, you look at what they did in the summer. Okay, it was to equip the team to play four two three one, but. You know, they've looked to really bolster in wide areas um, with Costa, Benedeschi. Um, and uh, so I think the potential for, for the game in, in those particular positions to be uh, really exciting is is there. And um, I think it's going to be a very even game. Um, I said it would be hard for it. So I, 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 I don't necessarily mean that they're going to get beat. I just think they're... Um, I think uh, Icardi on, on on big on big nights um, in big games, even at the Allianz Stadium, you go back to his Sampdoria days, knows how to um, to, to make him, his presence felt, and uh, yeah, he only needs half a chance. And um, so yeah, we saw him to do have a great a great performance away in Napoli. Um, game plan for that brilliantly. And as I said, they're in a, a good kind of moment at the moment. Um, so I, I'm going to sit on the fence and say it's going to be a draw. I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that too. I'll that definitely as well. take that. <laughs> uh, especially because I'm, I'm fearing Allegri and, and, and the fact that, as I said, I think he's... Well, Spalletti has a terrible record. <laughs> exactly. He really, exactly. He really exactly. does. I was yeah. and, <laughs> and also Allegri's ability to, to kind of... Out coach coaches. I mean, when he when he beat that, when he beat Barcelona two 0 with that Milan side, I still don't understand how he did that. And 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 that's and that was a really good Barcelona, as well without Ibra, without Thiago Silva. Uh, now it's it to me he's, he's such a great match coach. He, he really knows how to hurt his opponents. As you said, he reads the game fantastically well. So I, I'll take a draw any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, thank you so much for coming. If people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, where, do they, where can they follow? And uh, if, is there anything else you want to plug? Go right ahead. Um, yeah, you can follow me at, at James Horncastle. And um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here, there and everywhere. So um, <laughs> yeah, by all means, um, if, it, if there's someone in front of you with long hair, it's probably me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Well, uh, bon viaggio, and uh, I hope you're right. I hope we're nil-nil or one-one draw on Saturday. <laughs> Great. Cool. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, James. James. Crepe. Enjoy so, it. <laughs> right. Uh, before we move on to the Kievo game, um, I just wanted to uh, ask you guys uh, your favorite Derby, Derby d'Italia memories. Will? Well, I've got two from the... Uh, by the way, first, just before we start, are we just considering games in Turin? Because that's all I've considered. Yeah, or we yeah, just doing... yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bugger, because I messed up that one then. 
<laughs> don't worry. Well, you can think while Will is talking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I've got two, but I don't want to steal... Anyway, I'll just... That doesn't matter. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, James covered the Stramakshani one, so that was the obvious one I was going to go for. Um, the only thing I would, I would add to that game is I was just re-watching the highlights, um, just thinking, thank God for the VAR. Thank God you've come. Better late than never. Because that first goal would not have happened. If the VAR would have been invented about 50, 60 years ago, Juventus would have had one Scudetto. That's my my absolute conviction. Like, I'm completely convinced of that. That If if the VAR had been invented about 100 years ago or something like that, Juve would have one Scudetto. And I'm being generous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Speaking of that, actually, James mentioned the the 97-98 game. It just... Just remembered something that I heard last week. Do you know Alessandro Catalan, who's an Inter fan? The guy who yes, presents. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was at he was at the the Gran Gala del Calcio last week when he was. Um, he was. With a, and uh, he said, "Did you see him talking on the, the telly? Because he said, uh, I was just I was just minding my business, and then someone came up and asked me for a photo, and it was Mark Giuliano. Yeah, and yeah. I just thought to myself, <laughs> never would 18 year old me have been able to imagine such a scenario? I don't know if he, I'm assuming he gave him the photo. Oh yeah, he did. He continued by saying that uh, 10, years, 20, 10, 20 years ago I would never have done it, but yeah. now, I mean, Juliano okay. was a good guy. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, I've gone off track. So we've done the 2012 one. The other one that I feel kind of strangely um, attached to was the 2015 one, where Osvaldo gave Mancini a punch in the dressing room at full time, just because <laughs> it was... It was, which he confirmed last week, obviously, um, in, a, in an interview. But just, I don't know why. I just, I just like that, just like getting the draw. And maybe because we were, we were, as from what I remember, we were annihilated in the first half. Should have been three or four nil down. Tevez scored after five minutes. And I was just sort of silently hoping, let's keep it to one nil. And maybe something at the end will happen. Or maybe we just take the one nil. Because at some point I thought we were going to be, we were going to be overrun. But then we, in the end, we could have won it. I mean, it was Podolski's first game, and he came on, and he, he, he played a ball across to Icardi that was just too overhit, and it was so close when it was 1-1. And then there was the, the chance that, that, that caused the, um, the Osvaldo argument. Kovacic was sent off for a terrible challenge. It was a good, it was a good memory. And Handanovic had a couple of incredible saves on a Pirlo free kick, and there was a goal-line clearance. I don't know why. It just, it just didn't expect it, because I thought we were in a mess. Because it was the first game after the... The winter break. The game before the winter break was the the Lazio game, where we were we would oh, we somehow got a point, but we were we were hideous in the first half because of what Philippe Anderson did to us. And I just thought this is this is this is hell. I just want to I just want this game to end one nil and we can leave and move on. But we didn't. We got a point with with exactly what James said a few minutes ago. Icardi getting half a chance and scoring because the goal was was really difficult. It was from a tough angle with the Guarín pass down yeah. the wing and he managed to turn in. That's some of the positions of the goal he scored yesterday, actually. Just thought that. Um, Rich, but, uh, yeah. You know, but my, uh, my favourite is uh, from uh, Balotelli's debut season in the Serie A when, uh, from a counter-attack when uh, Ibrahimovic passes it to Montari and then he passes it back and then he passes it to Montari who races and then plays a lovely, delicious cross ball to Balotelli who scores. Um, that game ended 1-1 as well, um, but that, that's, that, that, that little thing, uh, that scene, that, that play, that build-up to that goal is, is my favourite. It's one of, those, one of the most delicious goals I think I've ever seen uh, scored uh, against Juventus at, the, at their home ground. Would have been, uh, the, about... the, would have been Dele Alpi, wouldn't it? 
No, yeah. that wasn't the Zidlam. No, no, no. It, no, it was the sta- It was the Juventus Stadium one. Uh, no, it was. The, sorry, it was. But, the, um, no, it wasn't back. No, no, no. It wasn't Juventus. It wasn't. It wasn't Juventus Stadium. It was yeah. Olympico. Thank you. That's the one I was looking for. They were okay. building the. the oh yeah, the Olympico in between. Yeah. Oh, was that the tripletter season? Because we lost no, that game. No, 2008, 2009. Oh, right, the one before. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think so. Yes. Yeah, well, when was it that Ibra won the Parma Scudetto? That was... 90. That was, that was, yeah, 2008. That was, yeah, that's the one. It was that season. Sorry. 2007, 2007 08. 2008. Yeah, it was 07-08 okay. uh, when, uh, when uh, Balot- Balotelli's breakthrough season. That yeah, that was, in the, well. yeah, that was in the rain at the end. I remember that. Yeah. We they they scored one one I think uh, we scored the first goal and then they equalised. Yeah, uh, what about which one um, is yours, Richard? But if we're going, if we're going for, um, I'm struggling for one at the events Stadium more than more than That's I'm the problem, I, I know I know it is a bit of a problem because I had two really good ones. So I'm I'm going to just go with the ones at home because okay, at the end of the day, because two memories. One that obviously Nima we know we're of a certain age. Age, which is quite distressing right now. They remember early, early games, and, and one of my favourites was uh, <laughs> going right back. Um, it's ninety three, ninety four, in San Siro, and it was and it's a draw. And I know that sounds, but that's what the, we just said to James there that we'd be quite happy with a draw. And I'd quite be happy with the draw in the same manner because everyone remembers. And I know I go back a bit, but like Ruben Sosa just was was absolutely fantastic. Only beaten by Rekabar to me, you know, just the brilliant player we didn't have for long enough. And he opened the scoring, and it's just the names of who scored in this game. Uh, it was, it was uh, again like Will, you know, I, these questions come up when we do these things, and you watch the highlights again, and it's just it's heartwarming. Even so, Roberto Baggio scored for uh, an equalised a few events, and then. Andy Moller, an old name from the past, that West, uh, West Germany at the time, when he was uh, just before, when he won the World Cup in Italian United with those guys, he scored. And then finally, 90th minute penalty. You know, getting a penalty against Juventus is always a beautiful thing. And uh, that was 2 2. And that's one of my earliest, earliest memories from, from this fixture. So I, I chose that one. But the, the more recent one, again, I apologise for it being um, at the Miazza, but it, it, was, it was because it was, you know, sometimes. The happiest moments come from those awful, awful times. And last season, 2016, you've been dumped out the Europa League by Hapoel Barashiva and the, the, the headline of Gazeta, who are normally, as we all know, fairly favourable to the Milan teams, says, Inter, are you not ashamed? And you've got to go in to face Juventus in the next game. And, you know, Juventus, that day, you know, obviously they've got the obvious of Benucci, Kalini, Buffon, you know, everyone else was playing, Pianis, Dybala, Mandzukic, it was just, Higuain came on, and it was brilliant, and we couldn't really, you know, James just talked about how Spalletti got the best out of some of those players, yet D'Ambrosio wasn't playing particularly well then, so Sanson played that game, and he, he, you know, that was the old Sanson in some respects, Eva Benega gets sent off, I'm not... You know, Felipe Mello was around, and I'm, you know I wasn't his biggest fan at, at all. And yet, it's the people we're talking about, the people who played against Chievo, the people who took us on and, and are doing what they're doing this season, the people who are playing better than they have done for a long time. Maori Cardi scored, and this is actually Lichtenstein scored in 66 minutes. Cardi scored two minutes later, Perisic won it. And for that, for me, that's the one that resonates more, because right at that moment, what Spalletti's done now 
he's taken that. And like James said, you know, he's taken a, a rough bag of diamonds and he, gems and he's polished them. And right now, hopefully for me, I would like to see something very similar to that when it comes to the weekend. Right. Um, what about, uh, well, what, what you mentioned this weekend, so if we do a little bit of prediction uh, here, we're all hoping for a draw, but Will, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Give me a score well, line and give me goal scores. Yeah, I'm afraid I would love a draw, but I can, I can see quite a similar game, not necessarily to the game that they played on Friday, but the one that they played last year when they beat us 1-0 with a missile from Quadrado from a corner. Um, I think it'll be. I think it'll be the same as on Friday, one 0 with a goal from Higuain. But I wouldn't. I, I, I'm not completely defeatist. I'm. I've got a bit of hope. I do think we can. We could. We could put them in. We could give them some some trouble. But no, Juventus. Juventus. Nobody approaches big games like Juventus. They are. They are. You know, as much as as physical muscles, they've got mental muscles that have accompanied them over the last six years. You know, when when it comes when the moment arrives to to be serious and to not to not mess up the game that matters. I can't remember the last game of that of that kind that they messed up. So I I'm can, not... I can. Real Madrid Champions League final. I know, I know, I know. I know. No, but that, to be honest, I mean that's kind of what I've alluded to earlier when I was talking about Allegri and his ability to. I mean, the only yeah. games that he's messed up is the, are the two Champions League finals where I think that maybe in the Barca one, I think they kind of over, overperformed a little bit because that Barca team was better than Juve. But against the Real Madrid, I think that's the one he completely bottled. bottled. Uh, but other than that, I think when it comes to being b- the best, you know, when it matters, Juve are, you know, Allegri's teams deliver uh, yeah. always. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm with you on that, but I think it's going to be that little genius uh, Dybala who decides it. Who yeah. I, I will say one thing. When I, when I was asked, somebody asked me for, the, for a Napoli-Juve prediction last week, and I said, I don't know what score it's going to be, but I'll tell you this, neither team will score more than one goal. I think that'll be yeah. the same here. No, I'm, I'm, th- I'm sorry, I, I, I'm seeing a Juve win here. I, I can see Allegri with his back against the wall, criticised, things aren't going that well. Well, start the week of Champions League qualification, boom, done. Then Inter beat them, top of the league, boom, done. You know, Jeremy, like I just see it, I just yeah. see it, see it just before, no, no, just, when it, get, just when it matters, so much, just, so much just yeah, guys, 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 it's Christmas and we're unbeaten, come on. No, I mean, no, but okay, <laughs> what do you think then, what do you think then? What would you like us to do, ignore Juventus? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm as, I'm as absolutely critical as you, um, I'm trying to just be different for the sake of it now, but um, I was, I, my, I've said before, listen, a draw would be fantastic. It really, really would. Um, I'm, I'm totally of the, the nature that, you know, when Juventus come... Yeah, I, I actually thought for once before that Napoli game, Juve may, may just be struggling with that transition, be struggling with those players that are having to come through. Like they, and, and they just don't. And when it comes to it now, I can see them, like you said, Nima, there. I like mental... Um, Mental muscle as well, will as well, because it is. It's one of those things where it just comes out. It's like right, okay, yeah, we're in the we're in we're in the um, proverbial. So okay, <laughs> now Napoli are out of the way. Then the Champions League. Then yeah. Inter, and then we're back on check, top by check, New Year. Check. But 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 I, I will be positive for the sake of it because, and I would like to say one nil Cardi because just for the, just for the simple fact that you know, I always thought that Juventus were. I said before. They were ruthless and pragmatic. And I feel that Inter have that at the moment. And I do feel that Inter, uh, Juventus sometimes are on their game every day. They're not always on it. And 
and this season in the more so um, normally, when they when they have a bad bad result, they come back and they just will clatter opponents left, right, and central central for the next couple of games. Uh, and so, yeah, you know what? This time, maybe we can do it. If we're going to be serious title contenders, and we are actually as Inter going to stand up for once. And look, at the end of the day, we're on such a good run. So why not be positive? Why not think? You know what? Let's believe in this team because what's been do. doing for me is brilliant. So you know what? That's the reason I'm going to say one now, <laughs> and I will Fair completely enough. accept all the criticism I get <laughs> <laughs> when that doesn't happen. Fair enough. Fair I just enough. want to. I just want to clarify. That is, I was absolutely not being critical about Inter when I was neither saying was I think I. we're going to lose one 0 I am. No, that, that's just I. the respect I have for these bloody idiots no, that we're playing just, against. Um, they are just, that good, though. They are that. Yeah, good. That's they are the incredible. Thing. It's, it's, it's exactly the same for me. It's exactly the same for me. It's not about being critical. It's more about being realistic. And, and this Allegri and his track record and everything, it just, to me, just says that check, check, check. First Napoli, then Champions League, then Serie A. Boom, yep. done. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it would be so absolutely. critical as well. No, no, absolutely. So, and he, so he, that, see, he, sees the, he sees the season in that way. He does look ahead. He doesn't just look at the game yeah. ahead. He, sort of, no, he, he has does. the entire picture worked out in his head. You know, we just need but to get to March when so our physical brilliant. connection's correct. We just need to get through the Champions League. Doesn't matter how you pass. You just need to get to February. Then it's a new tournament. Everything mm. is everything is planned with Allegri. Even the, that's, that's, who he's going to ro- exactly who he's going to rotate in three months' time. Everything's worked yeah. out in advance. It really yeah. is, and, and the way he the way he kind of tweaks and gets every he's he's like a master chef that way. Do you know what I mean? Like he yeah. he he knows that he tweaks exactly because he wants this then and then he wants this. Like he's it's, it's, it's really fantastic. I think he's, he's I think he's a really really underrated manager. Right. Uh, By Juventus uh, fans as well. Yeah, but they're mostly idiots anyway. We know. <laughs> <laughs> That's, Fair enough. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, but right, let's uh, let's talk about the Kievo game because to me, after the first uh, 95 seconds when Inter had two goal-scoring opportunities, I knew that we were going to win this game, and I was thinking seven nil, six nil, five nil because the way Inter approached this match. If there wasn't a single Inter player that underperformed that, uh, even, and I'm including the ones who came on. Santon played, I think Santon gave the best fullback performance we've seen since Mike on in an Inter shirt. I mean, that was the last fullback that played Ooh. at that level. That was Mike on. I mean, it, it was. I mean, who, who, I can't think of a single player fullback that's been that good over 90 minutes that, that Santon no, was. The bar's not exceptionally high, is it? <laughs> Well, it, of course it's not, but I mean, I'm, compa- I'm saying <laughs> No, that, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm, I agree. Just, you yeah. know. Anyway, yeah. He was, he was no, incredible. So, he looked like so, uh, and, and also, and Kandreva is, yeah, I mean, he's everyone who follows me on Twitter and listens to this show know how much I love this guy. I, I think I've always been a fan of his, and I think Seconded. this season, yeah. this, this season after the derby, he's, he's shown the real Kandreva, and, and wow. I mean, you want to talk about Cafu, what, what, what do you call what Kandreva did in the first half with the Tricking, tricking you know, the ball up and down like that, down the left-hand side, and then lobbing it over whoever it was who, who got completely humiliated and, and then runs for... I mean, and not just that, his, his, he's really hungry for a goal as well, and his shooting is really good, and I love how he cuts in from his right-hand side to, to shoot. And he's, he's, he got another assist again, so he's now again top of the Serie A. Uh, he's, he, I think he's alone now in... In, uh, as the top of the Serie A assist uh, charts. So, no, I, I, I thought it was the perfect performance. To me, that was the perfect Spalletti performance. It was a mm-hmm. game where everything, everything worked it, for Inter. It, it was. For me, it was, what, was, what was nice about it, um, 
it was a combination of two things. One was that the, the, the players we expected to stand up and, and do what they normally do, especially Perisic, obviously, Mario Cardi, those players were, were, did what they did every single... And, and you know, we can keep and should continue to praise those guys as long as they continue to do this because they perform, we expect, they perform, we expect, etc. And it carries on. I quite like the fact of Ranocchio, and I know I've been critical of him. You know, I think probably... Uh, in the last couple of seasons on this part as well, Felipe Melo, um, Nagatomo, of course, and Ranocchio, I've been very critical of. So you know, but that doesn't mean that people can't come back into the fold and can't do it extremely well. And if what James says earlier on in the day was right, and that people can come back, you know, when Ranocchio originally started off, everyone thought he was so promising. He's got all the technical ability, but yet the mental, the mindset doesn't seem to work. I really enjoyed the fact of I've been I've been so worried about Inter for one reason and. Going back on my over-positive Juventus result, the two things that I've been scared about have entered this season. One, if Mario Riccardi gets injured, I think we're so in so much trouble. But secondly, is the fact that we've had success by playing the, the, the same eleven on, on so many occasions. This, there was a few different players come into this, and uh, they they all performed, they all stood up, and they all did fantastic. And and it was, it was the perfect interperformance. And, you know, I would say it's even better since this performance in some respects was better sometimes when we've taken on, say, Sassuolo and beaten by seven. You know, even then there were performances that weren't quite there. Here, it's hard it to perfect. criticize. It was, it was. It was no hard. One, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've looked at the game t- twice already uh, since then because I wanted to, like, preparing for the show, I wanted to see where their moments were intermade. And, and there was not. Yeah, I mean, it was the, the tactic was was just from start to finish. Inter did exactly what Spalletti asked them to do, and they barely put a foot wrong. And, and everyone delivered. No one was having a bad game. Everyone was having a good game. Uh, yeah. And and it was it was so interesting to see. And Kiever aren't an easy. T- I, I still I've I always have had a soft spot for Kiever because how they stay in this division, what they do every season, how they regenerate, how they. Now, we talk about the teams, the way they set up and the way they manage games is impressive for, for, the, for the resources they have. And Absolutely. And Maran is a fantastic coach. And Inglés exactly. is having a great, uh, you know, no, no, Kiev are a good team. You've got to have respect for them. But I would like to touch on what you said about Anokia because I, I read um, uh, his, his um, I think it's his psychologist or a sports psychologist or someone he was, he, he's worked with very closely, was interviewed by Gazeta, who basically revealed that um, Ranocchia, when he took him over, was suffering from depression because of the, because of the, all of the criticism and the pressure of, you know, first being uh, appointed inter captain and then being stripped of it, and and he was he was really really low, and it took a long time to build him up, and 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 to me, when I saw Ranocchia, I was like, you know what, I, 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 who can begrudge him to score? Who can begrudge this guy? anything but like success because I mean sure I mean I've been his biggest critics and Nagatomo him and uh, D'Ambrosio and Juan and and, you know let's be honest I'm not their biggest fans but I mean from a human from a from a from a human perspective I I thought it was I would have I would have so loved to have seen him score because I think you know depression is you know depression is, is not nice no matter who it is you know it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor depression is is a serious issue um, and and to see him come back and to see him perform at that level and to see him after the game saying that 
the reason why I stayed this summer was Spalletti, which is exactly the same thing that Perisic said a few yesterday as well. The only reason I stayed was because of Spalletti, or Spalletti convinced me to stay. I mean, that, that to me is, is and, this, and, and also both of them saying that everyone here is, is, feels part of the cause. Every single Inter player said that independently of each other. I, you know, it, it's, it was very, very interesting to see. And that is all Spalletti. Uh, so for me, it's like Ranocchia is... It would it would be awesome to see him to see him rise again because uh, obviously because of because of difficulties because you got to give him credit being you know come, being captain of that Inter and then being the humiliation of being stripped of his captaincy it it takes a hell of a lot of strength to come back from that absolutely uh, is, so um, yeah no I just want to say that um, right so what did you think Will what was your biggest takeaway from that game. I think the fact that we well, already touched on it. I think the fact that we we turned an awkward match into a stroll in the park within about twenty minutes. Um, I was just going through the games that we've played with K over the, over the years, and it's true we never have an easy game against them. You know, James mentioned the away game last year, but even at home we've never had it easy because you know last year we beat them three one, but we didn't go, we didn't take the lead until five minutes before the end. The game before that, the year before that, we won one nil when Sekulin was playing and made about fifty saves, and then the, the two years before that we drew. Um, and in 2014, I just had a look at this. The, the game that we drew with them in 2014 at home uh, was the, the day that Nagatomo scored his last goal for Inter, back in January 2014. <laughs> and the season in which he scored five goals, I did not remember that. I so did he, not remember that. <laughs> no, he scored five goals all in the first half of the season. He scored that. He scored after Palosky scored for Kiel, but, um, um Yeah, this, I thought this was going to be a tough game, even though... Um, Kiev were missing their entire central midfield three. I just have to say that in the interest of being honest. But, you know, even so, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to beat them 5-0 because they're a tough Absolutely game. Not. Spalletti Absolutely dedicated not. three minutes of his press conference explaining what it was that they did, why they're dangerous, why you need to be careful. And his players were, you know, they followed his instructions to the letter. You know, there were, there were two things that he's... Actually, no, three things that he... That, um, that stood out from his press conference. And I think it's worth bringing up because if Inter are first in the table, I really think it's because of the way he's, he's handling these press conferences. They are spectacular. Pretty, they're, you know, they're immaculate. So every, each last word is planned to perfection. And there were three passages that I think led to what we saw on Sunday. The first one was when he was asked, are you concerned that after so long with the same team, you're going to have to play without three of your most important players? And he said, he did exactly what he does whenever this kind of question comes up. He just takes away any possibility for the players to just slip an alibi in their pockets before they walk out onto the pitch in case it goes wrong. He said, you know what, there's only one thing these players have to remember. There's one thing they must never forget, that's that they play for Inter. And when you play for Inter, you have the obligation to train for 100% every day and honour the club that they are representing. There are zero alibis for people who wear a shirt like ours. And that's why, partly, why João Mario looked like a new player, Brozovic came up with a brilliant assist, and Ranocchio could have scored a hat-trick if he hadn't missed a couple of headers. Um, that's the first thing, the, the new players. The second thing was the, was the style of play, because he said, there was one thing that I found was quite interesting, he, he was talking about what you have to do to beat Kiev, and he was saying they're always compact, they're always really annoying, they don't give you space, you've got to find the three areas of the pitch, they'll leave you on the other side. And he said, we need to be quick thinking, we need to see things with our brain before we see them with our eyes, because if you haven't already visualised something in your head before you see it with your eyes, it's already too late. And we did that. We were quick. 
we were intense. We were, we were immediately vertical whenever we got the ball. It was, it was non-stop. Whenever the ball came out to us, we picked it up. We got the second ball and, it, and the pressure stayed on. To the, you know, to the 90th minute, you know, Perisic was, we were 4 nil up and Perisic was getting annoyed with the ball because he wasn't giving the ball back quickly enough because he wanted to go on and score another goal. You know, it was, it was, everything was, everybody was locked in for 90 minutes. It was a complete performance. Um, and the other thing was Ranocchia. Because I was, I was like, you know, I, I wanted him to play well. It was quite funny, actually, because I asked people um, for, on, the, on our Twitter account on Monday when it was clear we were going to have these three absentees, who, who watched your starting eleven? What would you like? And uh, over half the people that replied didn't put Ranocchio in their starting eleven, even when, you know, which, I, which was why I expect, that's why I asked, basically. I wanted to see how many people would trust Ranocchio. Not a lot of people did. Um, but there was never any doubt he was going to play. I mean, Spalletti said it yesterday. This is the ideal opponent for Anokia. You know, he's tall and Chiaro cross a lot and give you a lot of direct balls. And they have two forwards who, mm. who head the ball a lot. You know, this is, you know, he actually said he's lucky because Chiaro are the ideal opponent for him. But he knows he can get away with these sort of things because he knew that Anokia was going to play well. There was, he had no reason to doubt that because he's got everybody under control, under his spell. You know, to the point where he was confident enough to say, tomorrow we will find out which of us is right? We'll find out if it's us who've been right all this time, who've always supported Ranocchia, or others who perhaps haven't. And he can put his, his name and his, his credibility on the line like that because he knows Ranocchia's going to play well tomorrow. He has, he, you know, he's, he's controlling them. You know, same with Santon. When Santon came in a couple of weeks ago, he spent two minutes talking about how Santon was a complete player, how he was physical, how he could head in the air. He made him sound like, I don't know, messy. But the thing is, it's so interesting. No, but it's so interesting you say that because I agree 100% with that. And previously at Roma, you know, whenever, you know, been writing about Italian football for seven years, you know, you, you, you cover these different managers. And, and for me, Spalletti was, was a bit of a laughing stock because he used to talk so much nonsense. Uh, when, when <laughs> I, uh, I think, but this season, this season, it's really interesting to see how he's completely changed. Uh, building on what you said earlier, if he'd gone, if he'd, if he'd been, you know, been been trained by a communicator, by a professional PR agent, or someone w- with rhetoric above all, because he's not talking nonsense. You know, he's used to talk. About, he, I remember one particular press conference about about uh, with Roma, which was like, it was, it was, it was word salad. It, was, it didn't mean anything. It was just... It was a super cazzola. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> one. I mean it, didn't, like, it didn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like, it, just, it was just driveling on and he was upset about something, but no one knew what because it wasn't intelligible to anyone. Was this, you know? was this sort of in, in his last Bellarama or the one a few years ago? No, no, this, it, was this, it was this one around. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, nope. no, so, um, but I agree with you. And it's so interesting to see, that's what I wanted to come to. It's so interesting to see that, how he's changed and developed and the way he's taken on this team who were mentally incredibly fragile, who were so Very. insecure, and he's turned that completely around. And I agree 100% with what you said about his press conferences are really, really interesting because he, he covers, he puts his credibility on the line, but he doesn't feel like he's going out on a limb by doing so. No, he's just stating the he, obvious. He's just stating the obvious. That's he why it's just needed so to... long. Yeah. We, we need no. that. It's just, the, the pieces have always been there. It's just someone's put the bloody things together and that's not what's really happening. Is. This is what someone's yeah. doing now. Yeah. But I mean, the way, the way that, you know, how coaches always say that it doesn't matter who plays, it's all about the team. 
everyone, Spalletti has created an environment there where it really doesn't matter who's playing, everyone feels involved. You know, when Incardi says, Spalletti said in the beginning of the season, Spalletti creates a hunger in me that I've never felt before. That's just, you know, uh, that's not him just being, you know, kissing Spalletti's butt. He, 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 every single one of those players want to die and bleed for this guy. That's, not, that's something we haven't seen at Inter since Mourinho. That team would have gone and taken a bullet for Mourinho. These guys are getting there. And it's, yeah. really, interesting to see, it's really interesting to see that. Quick question for both of you guys. Sorry to interject that, Will, but just really quick. I, you, know, you know my huge worry about if Mario Cardi got injured and what we've got. Say we know also about Gabriel Barbosa's troubles at Benfica. Do you guys think... <laughs> do you think... Yeah, I know. Do you think... That's uh, with Gabriel Barbosa back in the fold that maybe Spalletti could get a tune out of him? Absolutely. If you can get out a tune out of Nagatomo, Santon and Ambrosio, <laughs> if you can get them to play that way. I mean, the, the thing, but the thing is with Gabigol, and I've said this a hundred times on this show, I think that is, that was, a, that, that's a rip-off. I don't think he's, I, for me, this is, this, is a, this is a phony. Remember, Spalletti had him in the summer and Spalletti decided to send him away. Like I, I, I don't think that I don't think he will return to Inter. I think he the the loan deal with Benfica is finished, but then they're shipping him off. They're not letting him anywhere near that dressing room, um, because I I think I, I think they realized that they were suckered by Kia Jurovcian, his agent. Because to me, the guy seems it looks like it looks like a YouTube scam. You know what I mean? Like he he seems completely yeah. unable to play. Yeah, and, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean, uh, I didn't see him in Brazil. You know, I mean, Tim Vickery is probably the, my best point of reference for this. That's spoke very highly of him, but I, I just, I, I'm just extremely worried um, at the moment about our strength and depth in that area. And hopefully, I'm not. I'm not. I'm no? not because Ed, no, Eder, Eder, Eder. Because Eder's movement, I've always thought that Eder has a fantastic uh, pattern of movement. <laughs> And for me, if he gets to play in that number nine spot, I think Oof. he can do. He can do. He can do a lot. Of he's, a, he's a very. He, I, I love the guy's pieces. For he's a very industrious fellow. But oh, well, I don't know. But anyway, that's 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 something to be seen. What do you Let's think, Will? What do you, what do you think, Will? Uh, I think Eder is a good backup for a team that has no European competition. So I don't expect us to sign a backup for Ricardi. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's not. Icardi in the box, but maybe he he's not got much less than him in terms of sort of participation with the build-up play, with the way he he moves, the way he he sort of understands football. Um, exactly. You know, it's not it's not, look look. Luca Marcagiani said last night that Icardi in the penalty area is the best sense for in the world at the moment, right? And that's so, so if he mm. if he goes out, you can't not suffer, right? That's but that's the same with any big club that has. You know that has a has a has a superstar as a world class player like we have now. Um, I mean, it would be curious. I'm not sure what would happen. It would be a big problem. But I also have faith in Eder, who, again, going back to these bloody press conferences, when he renewed his contracts, Belletti said it's like renewing three players' contracts in one because he can play yeah. in three different positions. And I yeah. I like him. And, you know, and he's he's barely played at all this season. But whenever he's come on. 
he's come on with the intensity, with the concentration, and with the, the quality, even at times. Somebody who's playing every single week. Intelligence. Yeah. It, and the intelligence it, for me is so it, intelligent. It is. I think, I think the, the transition what Inter would need to make in, in that case, I think we'll spot on it there in one sense, in the sense of you can't replace that player. And I think he's very similar to when, say, Higuain left Napoli, in the sense of Sari had to then look at the squad and say, listen, OK, we're not going to replace you with Milic. He's done just one player who's going to come in. You have a collective responsibility as a team exactly. now to take on the goals. And I think then we can relay that uh, very quickly to the Kiev again when you look at people like Perisic coming in with the goals. I would hope that Spalletti... It, I get what you're saying. In one sense, it wouldn't just be down to, OK, Adair, we need 20 goals from you. It's, no, we need 10 goals from you. <laughs> Perisic, you know, we, we, need, we need five goals, no, we need 10 goals from Adair, you. Never, never get yourself into a position as a, as a manager <laughs> where you ever need to say, <laughs> that we need 20 goals. Yeah, goals. can you imagine? Can you imagine? But it, no, but, but it would be like, Perisic, we need, we need 10 goals from you. We need, Kandreva, you need to start well, he needs to start scoring. Yeah, he would do. He does. A Spalletti winger who's got zero goals in December is. He's shocking. Curious. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I, no I, I agree. I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. That I think with an Eder up there, because of his intelligence, because of his natural like football IQ, I think you would get more goals from more more players. You'd get goals from Perisic, Kandreva. You'd get goals from mm. the midfield because of because of the way he moves. I mean, the way he moves is just. He's so intelligent on the pitch. His movement is world class. I think that's his that's his uh, that's his uh, best attribute is his the way he's his, his footballing IQ and that's why he can play in so many different roles despite not having the characteristics that you would exp- exp- expect from a winger or a trequartista. He can play there because he's such an intelligent player. No, he played on the wing for Italy under Conte. Yeah. I think since I remember saying, exactly. absolutely, he can do anything. So no, I, I think it would it would it would be a huge problem, but I don't think it'd be the end of the world. I wouldn't say right that's no. it. We're not going to get in the top four because Icardi's injured. You know, no. I might think that if Handanovic got injured, maybe. But yeah, that that would be more. <laughs> I mean, no, but that, that would that would be a problem. And and yeah. the same thing with if Miranda and Skriniar were injured, I mean, that would be a problem. Froggy, uh, with... Froggy's there. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's hope so. I mean, I'd love if that were the truth, uh, but um, uh, no, it yeah. would be it'd be a problem. Um, yeah. Was there something else right. I to say? I don't think there was. Okay. Right. Uh, I w- uh, we we had our we had the um, Semprinta readers uh, vote for the man of the match, and I think we can all we all know who that was. It was Ivan Perisic with. 67.9% of the vote. But who, who, yeah, I know. The best read, uh, Semprinta readers are the best in the world. Right, um, who, who do you guys think came second? Uh, Will? <sighs> yes, yes. I know, guess. I know, I know. I'm going to take an educated guess. I'm going to say... I'm tempted to say Santon, but I'll say Skriniar because he did score. He came third, actually, with 6% of the vote. Uh, who do you think came second, uh, Rich? I'm jumping on Santon, I'm afraid. I think he no, definitely I, was. Actually, Santon, for some reason, he came in sixth with only 2% of the vote. Um, number two, Honestly, second yeah. position was Antonio Candreva with 9%. Oh, yeah, he was brilliant. Uh, yeah, he was good, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's, right. that's the problem. Everyone played well. For once, it was. That's exactly it. <laughs> it was I gorgeous. think everyone played well. I thought, I thought, as I said, we said in the beginning of the show, just repeating ourselves now. But everyone was brilliant. Handanovic, yeah. from everyone, from Handanovic to Icardi, they were all great. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize or criticize someone heavily, someone or something in the world of football. 
Um, let's start with uh, this week's frog, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. Yes, the frog of the week was uh, was fairly simple to choose. I think we may have just mentioned it at the start of the podcast. On a weekend like this, there can only be one frog, um, <laughs> and it's. I have the. I am delighted to announce that it's Milan this week <laughs> for what they did at the Chiro Vigorita <laughs> Stadium yesterday lunchtime. So, I mean, I'm sure the entire world has seen what happened. So let's not spend too much time going on what happened. But basically, they were 2-1 up against Benevento. They've lost 14 games out of 14. It was Gattuso's first game in charge. Romagnoli's been sent off. He's taken off Suzo and put on Zapata in a substitution that reminded me of what people in Zaghi used to do when he was on the Milan bench. They were all camped back in their own area. There was a free kick. And then Alberto Brignoli appeared on the scene and scored. And sent, a fantastic sent header. Me. It was a brilliant header. It was, I mean, he said in his interview he dived like a goalkeeper more than a striker, but it was a serious goal. It was, it was a really good header. Unbelievable. As well. Really impressive. Um, and, uh, and they drew. And Gattuso came out afterwards and said a knife in the back would have hurt less than that, which was um, um, a little bit colourful. And, and, and well, that's not the only colourful thing he said. He apparently threatened to kill Donnarumma as well during the game thing. Oh, good. Kill him. <laughs> um, so yes, I, um, I, I wanted to ask you guys on that note, if you could make up a joke about how Milan's going into this game, how, what, what could make Milan's season worse? You could not have wouldn't thought that. It, <laughs> would, no, no. Wouldn't it, the very definition of the most <laughs> ridiculous scenario have been 2-2 two, two away against Benevento with Benevento's goalkeeper scoring the equaliser? Well, like, that would be the most yeah. ridiculous Just peaceful. Well, that, was the, that, that was the only way that Benevento could get their first point this season, was something like that happening. They'll ride they the back of that them. now. They'll ride the yeah. back of that, I bet. Yeah, they've got, they're playing... Who are they playing? They've got like Udinese or someone on Sunday. They've got a few sort of reasonably winnable games, so they could if if they couldn't, they could potentially build on that. I don't know, but let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, what was I going to say? I wanted to say something else. Oh yeah, the other thing, the other thing that made this incredible was Pedersic. <laughs> Did you see this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he saw the he saw the news <laughs> of Benevento's equaliser on the scoreboard and turned around and was laughing with yeah. whoever he was next to him. And at that moment, I just—I was—I did just think, oh God, does this mean he's going to lose focus and play badly? No, he scored a hat trick. So we, are, so I'm allowed to find it funny. It was—it was brilliant. I mean, <laughs> I, I almost there was. I just—I just, I, I can't. Be, I, I, I just keep thinking about it every minute. What happened? That goal, Brignoli flying through the air and getting his head to the free kick. I'm never going to. It's going to take brilliant. years. Third goalkeeper brilliant. ever in Serie A to score from open play. The first since 2001, and the fifth goalkeeper ever to score in Serie A. Brilliant. And it happened against Milan. Simply brilliant. Right, uh, let's move on to uh, slightly more positive things uh, with uh, the Moratti of the Week, which will be presented by Mr. Richard Hall. Oh my God, he is beautiful! He is beautiful, yeah! Thanks, Nima. This, one's, this was fairly easy, but... Bit of an odd one. Um, well, no, not really an odd one at all, actually. It's, it's, it's completely deserved. It's getting to that point where it's nearly... Yeah, it's crazy time when everyone starts talking about transfers and it all goes a bit nuts. And it's just nice in modern football with all the social media, the Instagram and everything else that goes on 
that Wanda Nara, Wanda Ricardi, whatever you w- would like to say, came out with what she came out about Maori Cardi this week and, and about Cardi's comments. Um, everyone always hears, you know, any player who goes in a run of a form, especially, I mean, Cardi's scoring rate, conversion rate is ridiculous in, in Europe. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And we, we know that the, the rumours are going to come and we know Inter aren't where we want them to be. So it's expected that the rumours, Madrid, etc., will come after. And it was just nice and pleasant for once because we all remember, and I've done this pod many, many times and talked about the situation with Icardi and the Ultras and everything else that's gone on. But it was nice this week just to have that little bit of security in the sense of, why do I need to leave? And, and all this idea, and we talked a lot about Icardi's personal life. Many people have talked about his personal life. In the sense of, like we know it, like people know it, and we don't, and no one does. But the fact is, is the guy's happy in Milan, and personal sentiment. Forget the football, just the fact that he likes the place, that he likes where he lives, he likes his family life. He doesn't want to move, and it comes across to where it, it's come across really well this week. And so it's just that sentiment that, and I know it can be contrived. I know it can be contrived as to newer contracts and newer things, but at the end of the day, right now. And for the rest of this season, yeah, we can actually just sit back a little bit. And it's nice. It's nice not to have the controversy and to walk into a window where, yeah, we're probably not going to do We've talked about this. We're not, probably not going to do a great amount. But we have one of, the, one of Europe's, one of the world's best forwards at our club again. And I would say before Mario Kart, it's a long time since we've been able to say that. Maybe, what, at least Ibra. seven years? Ibra? Ibra? I was going to say Mil- I was going to say Milito, but even Milito, yeah, I, I think you're right, Ibra. So it's a long time. So there you go. That's me. That's it. And I think that's nice. I think you're. I think you're right about how how his personal sentiment will be important because the, the the curious thing about Cardi is that he doesn't really give a toss about football apart from when Inter are playing. He doesn't watch football. He doesn't exactly. He doesn't take an interest in it. You know, he was asked on that drive into special into TV during the moment. He, they gave him some. They gave him some some quiz questions. They asked him how many teams are in Serie A. He said eighteen. No, this is how much he <laughs> detaches from football. When what, is he getting into? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I, I would... Uh, you said that. It's not. Um, <laughs> but I, I, think, I think there is a good chance that he won't sort of be attracted. He's, you know, he's not necessarily someone who's going to be attracted by the desire to win something at the top level. That's not exactly how he sees football. You know, he's happy where he is. Mm. So I, you did mention... He's a family man. He's yeah. a family man. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is. If, you, if you follow Wanda Nara, which I do on uh, Instagram, her stories are just... Every time she puts something up, it's, it's, if, if, if it's not Icardi changing diapers, it's him reading bedtime stories. Yeah. If it's not he's doing that. He's going over homework. I think last week he was doing the, 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 the multiplying the times table with, his, yeah. with one of the boys going through, like, what's three times three, three times four, yeah, you can beautiful. hear it in the background. I mean, he, he's, he's not. This bad boy image is just something that is just completely created because he's together with Wandanara and the circumstances surrounding that. He's not, he's not a bad boy. He's not at all that kind of superstar modern footballer. He looks like it, I can give you that, but, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. No, he's... he's but I don't think anyone really does think of him as that anymore, and it's not people that I've I think. Yeah, it's kind of a thing of the past now. I think that's that's the that's the nice thing about it, and I think both of you guys hit that on the head. Neither the fact that the guy is a family man, and it's very very evident. 
and Will as well. I remember uh, Ron Ron Percy is a good example. I remember listening to an interview with him, and he knew everything. He knew everything about the Russian second division. The guy <laughs> on tune with football. You know, you just yeah, think, wow, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that guy's he's just like on it. Icardi's not, and that's why I made the joke about Galincia. You know, everyone remembers the, the stories about Galincia when he turned up to the stadium and went, "Who are we playing today?" And I'm not saying he's on that level, but I remember Ben Wasserakota used to do that. Yes, yes. So, did we win on Saturday? Really? Oh, okay. Where were we in the league? What's <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like, get up, do the job, get back to the family. And for us, that's great to not have his head turned. So no, it's, a nice, it's a nice thing. Yeah. Right. Um, let's uh, move on to a slightly negative thing with this week's Moji, which I'll be presenting myself. Um, this week's uh, Moji comes uh, from uh, the Premier League, actually, and uh, an investigation that started last week, which the Independent report that uh, kick it out, uh, the anti-racism um, uh, organization in, uh, in, in the UK, has asked Manchester United to investigate and punish any fans that have been found to take part in racially offensive chanting against uh, their former uh, Japanese midfielder Shinji Kagawa. Um, they were singing really, really, really rude references uh, to uh, Pearl Harbor and the Second World War. Uh, and to me, you know, no. <laughs> like, it's not funny. Uh, it's, it's disgusting. And to me, those, the people singing racist chants, or racists that are, as, as a whole, piss off. So that's this week's moji for me. Well, I, I, Yeah, there's not... A lot more to say, but I, I think you said it well, and it's right, and it shouldn't happen. Hmm. Right, uh, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be joined by Mr. David Amoyal from the Gianluca Di Marzio's English page, uh, and we'll also be going through the Derby d'Italia uh, and much, much more. So, until next week, I'd like to thank Richard. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed that one. Brilliant. Uh, I'd like to thank you, Will. Thanks for having me on. All hail Alberto Brignoli. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, Mr. James Horncastle. Uh, a great pleasure as always. Until next week, sempre e solo. Forza Inter.